The Big Light presents Hello, I'm Sean McDonald, the host and producer of the Blethered Podcast. Blethered is going to be live at St Luke's in the Wing Docks in Glasgow on Friday the 26th of November. I'll be joined on stage by musician and Orwell Prize winning author Darren Loki McGarvey and renowned Scottish comedian and actor Karen Dunbar. We'll be chatting about life, Scotland, Darren's upcoming TV and book projects, Karen's time in Tune the Fat and so much more. So get your ticket for a night of good conversation, a few drinks and plenty of laughs. The ideal way to spend a Friday night. Just check the episode notes for the link to buy tickets or search Blethered Life. Hope to see you there. Hello, I'm Sean McDonald. You're listening to Blethered and my guest is musician Bo Anderson. We talk about how a freak accident that almost resulted in a leg amputation culminated in Elton John and Cindy Lauper declaring themselves as fans. We discuss the years of work, self-belief and sacrifice it takes to become an overnight hit. And Bo talks about singing on TV in Berlin while David Guetta looked on from a few yards away. Plus, performing at the Barrowland the same night as being named Best Pop Act at the Scottish Music Awards. And as always, there's plenty more. This episode is brought to you by Debt Experts Don't Fret About Debt. If you're struggling with debt and you would like a free chat with an impartial advisor to discuss your options or to see how you can lower your monthly repayments towards debt, then visit don'tfretaboutdebt.net forward slash blethered. You can also listen to my episode with Don't Fret About Debt senior debt advisor Tommy Gallagher where we discuss taking back control of your debt and the various solutions available. Don't Fret About Debt offer all statutory debt solutions in Scotland helping you to make an informed choice. So take the first step to dealing with your debt today. Free advice is also available from the Money Advice Service. If you enjoyed this episode, share it, because it's a great help. Cheers. So before we talk about, you know, Elton John playing you on his radio show and how we got there, We'll kind of go way back to, was it Parsons Green Primary School? Is that where oh, you went to school? Oh, wow, this is, <laughs> this is really going back. Yeah, I went to Parsons Green. Wait, I'm kind of, this will sort of make sense as we go on, but I kind okay. of want to talk about what you were like as a, a child at school. Very sociable, but you weren't really actually that into your schoolwork. Is that yeah. fair and sane? Yeah, I wasn't academic. Like, I'm dyslexic, which I didn't find out till which, I was like 14. Mm. Um, and at school, like they used like teachers at parents' evening would be like, "Oh, she's just lazy. She doesn't put her hand like she doesn't put her hand up. She knows the answer. She's lazy." And I was like, "Nah, I just like I yeah, I struggled with like the academic side." Mm-hmm. What so, I don't actually understand dyslexia all that much. Like, how how would you describe it? There's different like types and like levels of like it, you can have it quite severe, or you can. You can you can have it for numbers, you can have it for spelling, mm-hmm. you can have it for processing information. Like right. there's lots of different kind of types, but I have it for I was I'm fine with numbers, spelling I'm not great at, but it was more processing information. So like you know in math I used to get um, like if you had an equation I was fine, mm-hmm. but if it was all put in a sentence and you had to try and like process the information, I'd be like 
yeah. don't understand. A lot in. Yeah, or like close reading. Oh, hated that in English. Because as far as, I might be wrong, but as far as I know, you were kind of right into your dancing, gymnastics. Were you put mm-hmm. into like a wee dance school? Was it about two years old? So that's quite an early start. Yeah, my mum put me into dance classes from like two, two years old, mm-hmm. which I was just a baby, but I had little ballet shoes and that and like probably just ran about the room like a daft day. But yeah. How did you end up into the sort of gymnastics and like trampolining and stuff? My mum put me into gymnastics when I was quite young. I think I was like four or mm. five. Um, and I did that for years as well as dancing. And I did like swimming in that as well. But I didn't do trampolining until I was about 10. Mm. And I went for fun. And then one day the what, this woman came in to coach because someone couldn't make it. And she like, uh, she used to run like her own company called oh, what was it called edinburgh city of city of edinburgh <laughs> this is such a throwback i'm like i can't remember <laughs> it was city of edinburgh trampolining and uh, it was like a club she was like you're really good do you want it she like taught me how to do a straight back which is like a backflip mm-hmm. straight <laughs> um on the first day and she was like you're really good you should come join the club then i joined the squad and then kind of went from there and then I started to enjoy that more than dance Mm because at the time I was kind of getting bullied by my teacher which is a whole other story um so I kind of was like going away from that yeah and more towards trampolining I mean you were to say you were doing well is an understatement because you were kind of headed towards team GB was enough people in your yeah thing that ended up in team GB yeah so there was because we used to we started doing double mini as well which is like um, part of trampoline and it's like when you run and you you bounce on a trampoline and you you go off and you do your tricks mm. and um, yeah I was doing like I was training we trained in a squad and I was doing more training at this point and uh, the people that I trained with uh, they've they've done amazing they've went on to like compete for Team GB they've yeah. won awards they've won medals they've won gold like yeah did you see like at that point then did you see that as being your life like this is where I'm kind of heading yeah, I did, you know. I think there was a point of me that was just like, I don't know that dancing's for me. Mm-hmm. And I always loved music, but I didn't, yeah, I definitely think that was kind of the route I was going down. Because then it's funny, like, if you look at, people can look at their lives or, or things that have happened, or sort of mental things like such as, and we'll come to this, Elton John talked about you and his Apple Music Radio show. Yeah. People find it very hard to pinpoint where that began, but for you... Could we put that down to, what was it? Did you get like hyperextension in your leg or something? And Yeah. So I think I always had hyperextension to a certain extent, but it was it was a freak accident. Like the doctor said, it, I don't know why or how this happened, mm. but it did, it like dislocated and then like popped back into place, but it did it at like such a force that it broke below my knee. <sighs> I, don't, I don't know what it's called. I don't know what the bone's called. But yeah, and then it like severed my artery. It was a very freak accident. Yeah, that's like... When, mm. I, when I saw that, I was like, Jesus Christ, yeah. but you were unaware. Was it unaware that there was internal bleeding yeah. until you saw the swelling? So, like, the ambulance came and they were, they thought it was like, oh, she's broke her, she's broke her leg. Yeah. And then I was like, I can't feel my toe. Something's not right here. I, I was like, I can't, and I was young, I was like 13. I think, was I 13? Yeah, I was 13. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I can't feel my toe right now. And then they were like, what do you mean? And they are like, touching my toe and I, it started going a bit blue. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and they were like, right, so they gave me morphine and rushed me to hospital. But wouldn't tell me anything because yeah. they don't want to freak you out. So you're unaware of this at the time, but what was the form they got your dad to sign? 
after like they said after 40 oh. hours if oh yeah they, they it was they would they had like permission to amputate my leg that which is, i thank god i didn't know that oh my yeah i know yeah. see that's very like now speaking about that you're kind of like oh wow that's terrible but if you actually think imagine you're almost about to lose your leg that's I like to, i mean that's proper yeah. plate shifting world yeah. changing stuff yeah i know well i mind saying i was lying on the before they like kind of knew what was going on, I was like mm. to my dad, "Well, I'll be able to dance again. I'll be able to, like, I'll be able to walk again." And he's like, "Don't know, <laughs> don't know." And I'm like, as a thirteen year old, you're just yeah. like, "What is going on? I don't understand." But yeah, I was also very high on morphine as well. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> "What's morphine like?" Never it, tried it. You've never. Oh. Well, I see. I never tried it. As if like. <laughs> I have never, never been administered it. it. I've not been like, I can't, I don't know, like, she's going yeah. to go for a bit of morphine. <laughs> I've never tried it, I love that. It's, um, it just really knocks you out. Yeah, it feel just, like you're floating. Aye, like straight away as soon as you have it, it's like you just like, your body just gets really like heavy. Mm. It's not that nice a feeling, I can't lie, but it helps with the pain. It must so. be, I don't know, like, I'm trying to imagine. This, well, here's an example. So I had, I was talking about this the other week. I had a, like a gum infection around my wisdom tooth. Yeah. It'd take like two or three days for the, the pain to go away because I got antibiotics. Right. But you would have thought that my life was ending. <laughs> like I was proper like staring at a window with the raindrops trickling oh, down it no. and all that. Like, just to, pure depressed. I just oh, was miserable. No. no, I mean, this is me showing what an idiot I am and how dramatic <laughs> I am. But if I felt like yeah. that, how did you, because I can't imagine how I'd feel if I... Th- you know, yeah. was struggling to walk because I mean, there was a chance you might not have walked properly again. Yeah, did, did you just go like completely into yourself? Yeah, I did for a bit because I couldn't go anywhere and I couldn't do anything, hmm. so I was like really frustrated. Um, but it, I did a lot. Like, I got physio and stuff, so I did a lot of physio and I like worked hard because I was like, I want to, you know, I want to be dancing again. Yeah. I want it because I love to dance, and I actually went. I went back on a trampoline. I didn't train again, but I, and I actually started, I coached for a bit as well. But oh, it's just after that incident, like I used to see people falling off at competitions all the time and, you know, injuries and stuff, and it didn't phase you. But since then, when I went back to coaching, because there's this thing, you map people. So mm-hmm. when they're learning new tricks, when they go up and they do their flip, whatever, like, move they're doing, you map them. And I was matting this girl who was like, she wasn't a big girl, but she was like, she bounced high. And I was like, if you land on me, there's no, and I was also like, what if she goes through the springs? Like all these things start going through your head. And I was like, oh, my heart can't take this anymore. And I was I'm like, do I don't else. think I can do it. Yeah. Like my coach once actually got her nose broken because she was matting someone and to stop the girl from landing on the floor, she had to try and like grab it herself. So mm. it just gave me a bit of anxiety. I yeah. was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. At what? When did you start at the Gate Loudy um, Performance Academy? I think I, it was just before my injury. So yeah. I was like 11 going on 12. I right. think I was 11 going on 12. Um, but I went for the dance side of it. Like my granddad found it in a newspaper article and he was like, oh, you might like this because it's dancing. Mm-hmm. And it was singing and acting as well, but I wanted to go for the for the dance. So t- did they say to you, you know, by the way, sorry, your leg's fucked, but why don't you try a bit of singing? Like, was that kind of the, the gist yeah, of it? like they really encouraged, they kind of saved me through that time because they used to do like um, holiday 
kind of camps. Like, mm-hmm. So they'd do like springtime when it was a school holiday, summer and maybe like October time. Um, and at this time it was through summer. So we had like a couple of weeks. Um, and she, like they were like, just come come down. And they encouraged me to sing. They were like, you can still sing. You can still, you know, do all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, and that's kind of where I found my voice, I think, properly. So you found your voice there and obviously they'll be sort of coaching you, but there mm. will be the other aspect of sort of getting you through it, bringing you out your shell. How how important was that Chris Judge? Oh, Chris, aye, he used to come. Was he kind of fundamental for you at that point? Because yeah. he would have been who you were you were working with. Yeah, yeah. So, cause, so it was the guys who run it were a guy called Keith Jack and Alana McFar- McFarlane. And they used to bring Chris in, Chris Judge. And then I ended up doing um, some singing with Chris. Um, he had this gospel choir called Soul Nation. Um, and I was a young kid. It was all adults. But he used to be like, I've got a free spot. There was a thing at Murrayfield. They were playing at Mur- They were performing before. It was like Australian against Australia against Scotland. And he was like, oh, do you want to come along and sing? And I'm like, aye, that's sick. Aye, why not? Like, <laughs> Let's go. So he really encouraged me to, you know, sing and just like, he gave me a lot of opportunities and stuff. So like a lot, what age would you have been at the Murrayfield thing? Oh, I was maybe like 14, 15. Right. I mean, a 14 or 15 year old, if you yeah. ask them to get up and sing in front of a room, are they going to do it? Never mind a 50,000 seater stadium. <laughs> was that, is that in your makeup or had you thought, by the way, I'm just going to seize every opportunity I get because life really is short. Um, cause that must have, it must have impacted your outlook in some yeah, way. Yeah, no, it did. Um, yeah, I think it did. It made me a lot stronger. I think it did make me think. Like, I, I, I believe a lot in things happening for a reason. Yeah. With that, I was like, why Why did this happen? What's going on? And then when I found my voice, it, it, I don't know, it just encouraged mm. me to, like, take all these opportunities. Maybe, like, I don't know, the universe could have been trying to get your attention and get you to go and sing forever, and you're ignoring it, and they've went, fuck, sorry, but we're going to have yeah, to... No. We're, we're going to need to, like, right, need okay. to take some extreme measures here. <laughs> yeah, that was very extreme. <laughs> yeah, know, maybe. A bit harsh. Oh. We, um, I'm quite interested as well, because like you've, you've said before that you, your family, you were grew up surrounded by music, but nobody in your family was particularly musical. Yeah, like, I didn't grow up with any singers or... Um, Although you and your dad duetting in the morning were your... Pins and oh needles. yeah, oh yeah. I called it my tingly toe. I used to get because it was like nerve damage for a bit. It yeah. takes time to heal, and I can't explain the feeling, but it was just like a constant pins and needles, but worse. Um. So yeah, my dad used to come down in the morning, and he'd be like, "Just sing, sing a song," or he'd start singing, and then I'd sing along. And he actually says that's when he realised that I could sing because yeah. he'd never like no because I didn't sing before that. Aye. And then he, I think he kind of could, I mean, I was still really young, but you could hear that little like tone in vibrato and he was like, oh. What, what type of things would you sing? Oh. I'm getting like Elton John and Kiki D or something like <laughs> that. There's got to be some sort of duet. What did I used to sing? Well, my dad used to always sing Fields of Gold. So he's Sting? Fields, uh, no, it was the Eva Castell. Right, okay, aye. But version, but aye, yeah. Aye. And like, I used to sing like Amy Winehouse, Beyonce. Oh, I love Beyonce. I used to always sing Beyonce. I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but oh, just while well, this question's in my mind. So oh, yeah. see, like when I first heard, by the way, see that song, Sweater, I absolutely, <laughs> I love, like, I honestly really love oh, it. It's incredible. Thank you. It is amazing. But when I first heard your music, I was like, Motown. Like, yeah. that's Motown. Yeah. And you've said that you kind of got into Beyonce, you watched yeah. Dreamgirls, that was your kind of introduction. My question is, is your musical style, is that natural to you? 
or have you heard the sort of Motown sound and went, that's what I want to be? Because it's so distinct mm -hmm. that it's got to be like one or the other. Yeah. I, I think. What do you think? I think <laughs> that is just, I think that is just your natural way yeah. of singing, but you have then Enhanced been exposed it, to that yeah. and went, that's, that's what I'm going it. for. Yeah, no, for sure. I've always loved, like, I think soul, like my voice has always kind of been that soulful kind mm -hmm. of tone. But I also just love listening to like someone with soul in their voice. I think it just like, it comes like from such a deep place and it's so meaningful. Yeah. So yeah, no, for your answer, yeah. If I was general. to like put you in a wee bracket of, because you know that way you listen to something, you can kind of think, because with your lyrics as well, yeah. like this isn't just some wee sort of formulaic pop hit that's that, you know, yeah. I'm like, this is coming from somewhere real. Yeah. Do you know, well, you will, Michael Kiwanuka? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'd love to hear the two of you kind of doing something because I feel, I don't know, I just feel like there's, there's some sort of similarity, like where it comes from. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's kind of my opinion. Um, I love that. The, at which point you took the year out? Yeah. Didn't you, like, just after school before kind of going yeah. down? What What was your reason for that? Like, to just... Um, I saved up a lot um, because it's expensive, but I also had to get, like, keyhole surgery on my ankle because my, right. my... What's that called? What's... I was about to say hamstrings. Your heel? Your heel. Yeah. Oh, your Achilles? Achilles yeah. was like tight from like the injury right, years okay. ago. Um, so I had to get that because I had like pain in my ankle. Um, so I say I worked for the year and then I got that and then I recovered from that and then I came to London. Right. So I just saved up a bit of money as well because it's expensive. When did, that's another question I've got is when you started um, performing, because you were doing like pubs in Edinburgh and sort of wee things. I did wee bits and bobs, yeah. I didn't do that many pubs though. Did you not? I wasn't one of these people that, yeah, I wish I was, but <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I was also going to ask mm -hmm. about, um, this kind of puts me in mind of a similar thing. So I think it was Charlie Chaplin, right? I might be wrong, but yeah. let's just say it was Charlie Chaplin. Okay entered a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest and came like fifth, right? Which I think is really like the funny. the actual guy? The actual guy. No. <laughs> mate, if it's not him, it was like Stan Laurel or somebody All like right, that. Yeah. You entered Edinburgh's Got Talent and finished third. I feel like that's kind oh of God, a yeah. similar vibe. <laughs> there, do you know what I mean? I'm like, sorry, who the fuck was on that judging panel? I know. Who won it? Um, I actually can't mind, you know. Somebody, honestly, somebody should be getting a P45. You're like, what? Did you get a wee trophy? Nah, I don't think nah, I did, nothing. you know. I don't think I did. But I think that, I think when Rose got talent, it came down to part judging by the panel, part votes. Ah, right. So whoever won had all that? their family in the audience then. Aye, basically. Um, <laughs> Didn't have enough fans back then. <laughs> <laughs> but you, do you... You went down to what was it called? The British and Irish Music. Yeah, but it's it's called it's known as BIM, but BIM, yeah, it stands right, okay. for uh, British and Ireland's Modern Music Institute. Modern music, right. Like what is the deal there? Because I was trying to kind of work it out, and I saw you you'd been talking about it, and you said so. You go down there and work on your music, but are there also people there who are like part of the industry? Is that In the how? School? Yeah. Um, kind of not. Like, so the course I had done was, because mm. they have lots of different courses, so you can study guitar, drums, music business, right, okay. uh, production, whatever you, songwriting. And I the course I did was for, it was a creative course for vocals. Mm -hmm. um, so it was more about, like, learning about vocals and songwriting and stuff. Um, there was some, 
there was they gave you opportunities like they would put you forward for some like additions mm-hmm. and things like that in front of publishers or management um so they did give opportunities but like with bim and with any of these like music schools i think it's what you make of it because at the end of the day it's not like becoming a doctor you're not going to get a degree and then be like cool like here's one, your job here's your album, record please. deal yeah. here's your album like you've got a graft and you've got to make you mm-hmm. know you've got to network and make the most of it what so what was in your your sights then mm-hmm. because i think it's fair to say you're very ambitious or very focused and yeah. and and you've got your eyes on kind of what you're after yeah um you know i was thinking about was it a teacher tried to convince you just to do a course in edinburgh and you're like no nah. oh yeah yeah because uh, that's the easy option though isn't it yeah like the the you know at school before you leave you get like a guidance teacher or something that'll yeah. advise you be like right what's your plan what are you going to do and i was always like i'm taking a year out and i'm going to london and she's like well why don't you study a course in edinburgh i was like what's the point i was like why why try and why box people in like why try and limit yeah, people yeah exactly i think it's i think people like safety and which mm. is understandable and knowing that there's that kind of backup yeah but i think for this kind of industry if, if you have like a plan b or whatnot it's like you're already setting yourself up for failure mm-hmm. and like when i came to london i remember the first day i went to bim a girl that was on my course was like so what's your plan b if this all goes wrong and i was like what? I was like, didn't you have a plan B? I was like, what are you on of it? I was like, why do you have a plan B? She's like, well, what if it doesn't happen? It's, you know, it's it's not realistic. And I was like, well, I was like, that's not. And my my um, business company is called uh, No Plan B. Oh, nice. Because I was just like, I, I thought back to that time. I was like, mm, yeah. But I, think, yeah. I think the same though. Like, what if it goes wrong or what? It's, it's unrealistic. I would, I would then think, well, if it's unrealistic, why are you here? Yeah, exactly. Because you're, you're immediately limiting yourself. Yeah. Well, I think you've just got to, you need, I've let, because for a long time, I, growing up singing, even when I loved it, I was still like, oh, I don't know mm-hmm. if I'm good enough. I was comparing myself to like Adele doing someone like you, the Brits, and like <laughs> yeah. Sam Smith just popping off. And I was like, oh, I'm not good enough. But then I realized that <clears throat> if you don't believe in yourself, how are you going to convince other people? Like, and mm. not in a not in a cocky way at all, and no, just that true, kind of eh? reassuring. Like, if you're going into these, I don't know, the labels or publishing or whoever it is you're meeting, and you want them to work with you, you have to kind of believe in yourself. Otherwise, how are you going to convince them that they should work with you? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, how are you going to sell a product if you yeah, don't believe in it? Totally. Because yeah. um, you're saying there about sort of no plan B, believing in yourself. Mm. How how do you feel about discomfort or being uncomfortable? Because it must be uncomfortable to move to like nineteen is young to move yeah. to London at nineteen to be into this course to be thinking because that must be really uncomfortable looking at Adele at the Brits and Sam Smith yeah. as you're saying. How does that make you? Do you thrive in it? Do you do you feel as if you grow within that feeling of discomfort? I think so. Yeah, like. I've always, well, I've always said I always perform better under pressure, which I, I jinxed myself once because a gig went really bad. Well, not bad, but yeah, that's another story. But um, yeah, no, I think because I always knew that is what I wanted to do because mm-hmm. I was actually saying earlier, like I, like growing up, I used to get homesick. Like I used to, I went through a stage of being quite anxious about staying at people's houses. So I thought when I went to London, oh, I, was, uh, I don't know how I'm going to cope. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't homesick once. My mum and dad left and I was like, cool, let's go. Do you, like, not to keep going on about it, like the, the trampoline mm. injury. Yeah, yeah. But 
did that is that either in the forefront of your mind when you're doing things and thinking you know things can in the blink of an eye things can change or do you think it just shaped your your attitude in general to just going for things and yeah and not worrying about the being home because we all get homesick we all kind of get that anxiety yeah. away but no totally does that shape the way that you think in daily life i think it has you know it's it's made me a lot stronger as a person and it's made me i think because i went through that i'm just at that age as well i'm just kind of like do you know what anything's possible why not mm-hmm. if they if so-and-so could do it why can't i do it and the, like I don't know. There's just something in my gut that's just known that this is what I'm meant to do. Like people say, what would you do if you didn't do this? I'm like, I literally have no idea. Yeah. Like there's nothing else that I'd want to do. I mean, it sounds to me as if it was the only thing that was meant to happen anyway. So you don't need to, yeah. be, you don't need to worry about that. Yeah, like, no. It's kind of irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, do what you did then. So uh, debut single, debut single sweater, wasn't it? Yeah. Four million streams in about three months. That's yeah. massive. You're on Spotify lists. You've got Cindy Lauper writing about you. Elton, yeah. Did Elton, is that the track that Elton John played on his uh, yeah, Scott Mills yeah. tune of the week? So uh, it's kind of all happening. Everybody, anybody looking at that will be going, fucking hell, that's like an overnight success. But really it's about probably 10 years in the making. Is that kind of how yeah. you're seeing it? It's, it's a graft. Like I wrote Sweater, before it came out, I wrote Sweater like maybe two, three years before. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me it was like, and I've been kind of taking like all, because I used to do YouTube covers and that. All right. And they all kind of got taken off. And I was like, not locked away in a studio, but I was put in studios to write and just develop mm-hmm. that kind of sound that I wanted to create. Because try to explain to someone without a blueprint, it's just not. With the, some of the lyrics, who pissed yeah. you off? Who pissed me off? Oh, <laughs> I've had such bad luck and love, I can't lie. I've, yeah. Whoever that's about must be like pure sweating. Like... No, no, like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they knows how much he's annoyed you. Yeah. Uh, it is a phenomenal song. Oh, by the way, it's, it's, so did you write that? Was it Jamie Scott and Johnny Coffer? Yeah. Jamie Scott is an Ivor Novello award winner. Like, that's no mug. Yeah. That's, this guy's worked with a lot of people. How is that to to be working with somebody like that? It's it's amazing. I'm very, like, lucky. Um, it's it's really, he's such a talented, talented guy. And to learn, I, I, I kind of learn, I've learned a lot from him mm-hmm. uh, writing-wise because I write a lot with him. Um, cause I'm in like a, a production deal with Jamie and, um, he just gets it. He's, he was the first person. Cause I used to be like, I love soul music, mm-hmm. but I don't just want to do soul. I love pop and I love hip hop and trying to like get all of, and gospel music. Like, and it's trying to get all that in, in one kind of sound. Yeah. And he was the first person to, to get that. And I went this before I signed my production deal with him, I went into a room with him and Johnny and Sweater was the first song we wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, that. that's that's it. That's It was like, it was It was really like magic. Yeah. It was just like, that's the sound. Like, so. it's, I absolutely love it. Um, also, there's another, I wanted to ask you about this, one of my all-time favourite songs by Tears for Fears, Everybody oh, Wants yeah. to Rule the World. What is there any specific reason that you've covered that? Because it's, it's quite a niche song. Yeah, no, totally. I think, well, my dad used to listen to it a lot. I mean, mm. he listened to a lot of stuff, but that was one of the songs that he used to listen to. I think he has it on vinyl. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's a song that everyone knows and loves. That's and I amazing. Kinda, yeah, it's a great song. And I was like, I, w- I wanted to do something that was well-known, but I wanted to kind of strip it back and change it, I guess, yeah. mm-hmm. to try and, because it's so great as it is, and I didn't want to yeah. try and compare 
compared to that exactly. So I can. I, sh- I should elaborate because there's probably people going, "What are you talking about? It's a niche song." And today, it's a bit of a niche song yeah. for like this sort of younger generation. Because obviously, it's massive. <laughs> the biggest compliment I could pay you is that it sounds nothing like the original, but within five seconds, you know what the song is. Yeah, which is quite a thing to to be it's, able to achieve that you can pinpoint what it is. Yeah, lyrics aside, but yeah. also be like, that's nothing like the actual original. No, totally. It's um, I just went on. I went on. I was supporting L.A. on tour a couple of weeks ago. And I played that, and uh, every time before I sung it, I'd be like, right, I'm not going to tell you what this is because I know you'll know the song as soon as it comes in, but sing along. Mm-hmm. And I'd start, and you'd kind of see, like, oh, what's this? And then when it got like, a couple of lines in, it was like, oh, okay. And then everyone would sing along, and it was just so magical. Yeah, that's amazing. So you, was it 21st October, I think, you, you supported her at SWG3 LA. How was that? Yeah, it was good. My God, Scotland was a riot. I loved it. It was so good to be home. So you've, so you've played quite a few places. We'll talk We'll talk about that. But uh, the Scottish crowd, I know this is we're kind of pandering to the audience here, yeah. right? But uh, the <laughs> Scottish crowd is the best, isn't it? I know they are. I feel like I couldn't say no either, but I know they are. I they mean, were. They were, They were mad. But I loved it, like, in the best way. Like, yeah. They were great. That must be, like, a really great feedback loop to putting all that work in, these tracks, and then wondering how are people going to respond, yeah. and then Glasgow just goes absolutely mental. Yeah, yeah, no, it's amazing. How is it sort of collaborating with Ella here? She's so lovely. She's mm. so, so lovely. Her whole team are lovely. I've, got a, I've been wanting to tell this story for years. Okay. So living in Spain, I went through a, a period where I was, I would say, working as a... a English language consultant so I was working with like companies who needed things put from Spanish to English or that are working sort of as a mediator and there was a production company that were involved in shooting Ella Ayer's music video in Barcelona but it was meant to look as if it was California and they were Mm. dealing with her record label and they had to basically come up with agreements and running orders and all these kind of things and I was like the middleman. Were man. you the translator? But just this wee guy. It was literally oh. just, they came to me and were like, oh, can you do this job? We can't tell you what it is. Yeah. And then it was like sitting with our music team, but I'm there like in shorts and flip-flops. <laughs> You're just <laughs> like, like, I, I like, try to be a professional. And they're pure looking at me as if, who is this who wee is guy? This but then I was like, well, I'm your, I'm your middleman because they don't speak any English oh, and you just don't no. speak any Spanish. Um, I can't so remember funny. what the song was either. But I, there you go, that's the... Uh, the lies and smoke and mirrors of the music industry because it was Catalonia, it wasn't California. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so true. Well, like, Sweater, we filmed in Alicante. Did you, eh? Yeah, but we tried to kind of make it so it was like it could be anywhere. Yeah. Like. Sort of homogenous yeah. location. Yeah. Um, with, you know, performance and, and songs doing well, you start getting TV appearances. I'm quite surprised by your first one, though. It was the late night show in Berlin. Oh yeah. How how's that though? Like, of all the places, when was it as well? Would that have been during COVID or before? It was during COVID. Yeah. Like hey. why? Why? And David why? Guetta was there. It's also yeah, random. Like, oh my god, I was so nervous when I seen him there. I was like, like David, stop looking at Everyone's fine. He's like, I'm two meters away from me, and I'm like, oh my god! And they're just like introducing me, like Island Bo Anderson, and I was like, oh god, that's my cue, and he's standing right there. Oh god! How was that? I interviewed Damien McDonald, and she's massive in Germany. And I was yeah. asking, I was like, how do you? I was like, do you speak German? Like, yeah. how does that work? And she was saying that 
they will speak and then she has to get it relayed to her via translation. Were you asked to speak or were you just singing? I wasn't. Oh, no, they did speak to me um, briefly in mm-hmm. English. Oh, did they? Yeah, they did. Like, um, kind of like what we were talking about before. How embarrassing is that that everything is just done so in another language? Bad. I know. Literally, if that was I'm me, like, I'm so sorry, but... I'd be like going, this is for the benefit of one person when there's I millions know, watching. I know. And I was like, I can't remember what I said. It was very brief. And yeah. then when they introduced me, they spoke in German and I just heard like Island Bo Anderson and I was like, oh, that must be my cue. Right, okay, cool. Right, I'm going <laughs> to go. But, um, oh my God, yeah, that was really nerve wracking. That was my first TV performance. I was like, don't mess up, don't mess up, don't mess up. Like, that must have been really cool though. Like just see, oh, to get to see yourself back and stuff. Yeah, it's so bizarre. I feel like I was on the X Factor. <laughs> <laughs> the voice waiting for them to turn around. Did, yeah. you, did you find a wee influx of like German followers German fans because surely they've watched that and went oh she's good yeah I've got quite a lot of German fans Um, I've been lucky enough to get like played a lot on radio in Germany and stuff so it's funny because like well when I released it was lockdown wasn't it so Mm -hmm. I don't really know like I've got fans kind of dotted about yeah everywhere but I think yeah my following did go up a bit as well like I hate talking about it now that in my opinion I'm like it's done it's over I say this every time the whole lockdown thing I'm like like, who gives a shit but also it has been like two years and it is such a such a large part of your Mm. sort of segment of your career in this sort mm-hmm. of public eye and people are aware of you just how how was it like did you find just did you panic a wee bit or did you think well I may as well just get creating yeah I don't know I think well the start of lockdown <coughs> I didn't realize that none of us we thought oh this would be a couple of I weeks I thought it was amazing I was like yes man three yeah. weeks to just sit in yeah, my, no sit in my house and watch TV do now yeah and uh so we decided to release and then I I think I wasn't stressed at the time because I was like well we're going to be out of it soon. Yeah. And then, so I didn't really stress and then swear I did all right. And then we kept working and then we did Zoom sessions. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, I'm, I they kind of haunt me now. I'm like, I'm over it now. Did you ever do like the Zoom quizzes and stuff? Oh yeah. I refused to take part. Oh, I was like, nah. I used to do them every Monday with my mates and then me and my family would do on, oh God, yeah. Uh, yeah now I, I'm like no, I, right. I feel like I was the only one that didn't that never drank and stuff like people I couldn't get my head around that oh I'm yeah like, people getting, getting, getting absolutely pushed. and then you put the screen down and you're like well, this is shite isn't it aye, you're just <laughs> sitting there absolutely yeah. wrecked like with all sorts yeah. of energy wanting yeah. to do something you can't go anywhere yeah. nah not for me thanks nah um, in terms of I suppose we should actually talk as well the tune with the DJ Dylan Francis reaching out yeah I've heard that in a club before Yes, uh uh-huh. <laughs> and I did it because then I played it and I was like, no way. So oh, I'd, I've heard it before, right? It's good. Hey, thanks, Val. How does that kind of thing come about? Did they just get in touch with you and go, here, going to do yeah. a favour and sing this? Um, yeah, it was because I think there was another singer. Because sometimes with features, they'll try different singers mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, it's not quite right. Like, I've vocaled some things in the past and people have been like, oh, no, it's not quite right. Um, and then, so I vocaled this. It came through in an email, I think, from his team through publishing or something. And uh, I was like, oh, this is sick. And I was like, this could be cool. So I vocaled it um, in London and sent it over to see what he thought. And he loved it. He mm. messaged me on Instagram and was like, this is fucking sick. <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, I'm glad you like it, pal. That's good. Um, and then, yeah, literally, like, within a couple of weeks, it was getting ready to release. And yeah. It was very quick. It seems to be doing very well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I literally, I'm, I'm guessing here, I know nothing, but... 
what about America? Has there been any sort of overtures to get you over there? Yeah, well, I was actually meant to, because one of my labels is out there. I'm with um, Interscope, and I was meant to go out for writing sessions for a month before lockdown in mm-hmm. April. So we went into lockdown in the March, and then in April I was going to go out, and then obviously that got cancelled. And ever since, there's been, like, I think these restrictions have just kind of came off in the US now. Literally in the last week or yeah, so. Yeah, so I'm hoping, I think in the new year, Mm-hmm. I'd love to go out and do some sessions and meet my team. Like I've not met a lot of people. That it's so funny that I'm working for. There's me. people I've been working with yeah. as well, and you've just never met never them. Met. It's the weirdest thing. It's, it's the weirdest thing. It's bizarre. So, were your sort of music doing well? And upon release, the Elton John thing. Mm. I was laughing at you saying you were like that. that can't actually be Elton John. Like what happened? Nah, yeah, I swear, did not believe that was him. I was sitting in my garden in Scotland, like in my family home. And I just remember like my radio plugger tagged me in something. No one had, no one told me at this point and my management didn't know. And I was like, why is he tagging me in this? Why is Elton John tagged in that? That's no Elton John. Who's talking about me? And then I was like, that's no Elton John's voice. And I was like, is it? And then I had to like I actually went onto his Instagram and was like listening to <laughs> listening to the way he spoke because I didn't believe it. But yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I, yeah. I personally think Elton John is the greatest remaining oh my God. remaining he's, musician. He's a legend. Like, Aye. like I, he's the best. Yeah. I also love his music and I me grew too. up listening to his music. My dad played his music. So for me it was just like, oh, it's like a hero, a legend, like. And Cindy Lauper as well. By the way, can we just say, do you know how girls just want to have fun? Is one of the best yeah, songs of all time. Tune, have you it? ever been in a bad mood when that song's come yeah, on? Yeah, and then you just kind of, yeah, just like have to smile. Honestly, like, I could be at a funeral and my toe would still be tapping. I'd be <laughs> like, like <laughs> and do you want to go for a drink? <laughs> what was it? Did she write about you in a, an article or column yeah, or something? Yeah, she did. I actually, this was in lockdown. I was shooting my music video for Heavy, and I'd been out in the field near my house shooting it come back in my mum goes Cindy Lauper's a fan I was like what what do you mean and she's like Cindy Lauper's written about you and I was like what 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 and she's like hi mummy and my mum's mate found it and then oh yeah that is wild yeah how do your family feel about it because it must be pretty alien to them yeah do you know what they've like they're not like they don't they're not in the industry they don't like understandably they don't like understand that side mm-hmm. of things but like they're they've always been like so supportive and they've always they've never been the kind of parent to like be like well that's not realistic or mm-hmm. I think they've always known that it's what I'm meant to do and they've always I've been very lucky like they've always been very supportive of are you me. an only child do you have any siblings no I've got a brother oh have I've got you a wee brother I he's he uh, must also be like this is mental like he's just living his life but yeah. Elton John's a fanny's sister, yeah, like, yeah. like that's the strangest thing. He's, he, I think he, he finds it really cool. He, um, he got in the car the other day, and uh, uh, my song Heavy Remix like came on in the morning. He sent me a picture. He was like, and he's got that set as his alarm, and he was like, "Your songs just came on the radio. That's my alarm." And I was like, "Oh no way!" You came on the radio for me last night. Wait a minute, I shazammed oh, it. Did yep. Here, I never, I never, I never seem to be about when this happens. What track was it? Uh, no, it was re- it was reaching out. Was it? And it came on, yeah, on Capital. <gasps> we were talking about you. That's not. And I was like, I know her, kind of. 
America, <laughs> I know her, kind of. In the future. <laughs> in the we, future, I will know her. Listener, we hadn't met at this point. That is so But funny. we're best pals now. Um, best pals, aye. Glastonbury, how big a, an aspiration is that for you? Is that, like a, is that the pinnacle for you to be performing at Glastonbury or is there something else? Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. I think, yeah, I'd love to like... Headline, she meant to say transmit the Scottish one, but we'll go I know, of course, course, transmit. <laughs> Not that English rubbish. Nah, I always transmit. I'd love to, I'd love to do like just a big headline. I'd love to play an arena tour. All the big, all the big yins, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Here's a question, because I can't, I can't even begin to imagine how this feels. Because the songs that you write and the sort of lyrics and stuff mm. are very personal. Mm. Probably come from somewhere very deep. And when you're mm. singing it, there's probably a part of you that's like reliving that emotion. Mm. How does it feel when everybody sings that back to you? You just like, do you ever get overwhelmed by it? I think I'd, be, I'd, yeah. burst, I'd burst into tears, I think. Yeah, no, I do. Because like, I've not actually done that many gigs, you know, but I did um, some like headline shows and like hearing, because I wear in-ears, which mm-hmm. like, to anyone that doesn't know, it's like it, you can't really hear the audience that much because you've got all the music in your ears. It, it's so that you don't like strain your voice. So you can basically you can balance everything out. You can have more guitar. You can have more vocals. You can have ah. less. Of oh, okay. And it protects your ears more right. um, than monitors. Um, so I couldn't actually. I was performing, and then I took my in ear out, and it's just like you could hear like even over the in ears, like on heavy, there was like. And then on a jet plane, and I was like, jet plane. And I was like, <laughs> I was like this is so sick. Oh, but so it's, cool. it's magical. It really is magical, like, hearing people sing your songs back to you. Uh, last night as well. So we are recording this, what's the date today? It's the 14th? Yeah, yeah, 14th November, Sunday morning. Well, afternoon now. Yeah. Last night you were performing at the Scottish Music Awards. Yeah. Some big names and big hitters. See, I, I wanted yeah. to go purely because wet, wet, wet were there. I love wet, wet, wet. No, I'm the biggest Mar- wet, wet, wet fan of all Are time. You? But Marty's left. Marty Pellow's left. So it's yeah. it's no, it's like a, it's, it's, it's like damp, damp, damp. It's no fully, <laughs> it's no fully soaking. Like it's, it's no, the, it's damp, no. Do you know damp, what I mean? Damp. He's away. It's like not quite the same. Fucking doing whatever he's doing. Gallivanting um, somewhere. Like, gallivanting. Honestly, see if I ever see him, I would grab him by scruff and neck and black. Listen, you stop pissing me about. Get do, back in wet, wet, wet. Do you know what actually happened? They were playing somewhere, right? Like 2017. And when I say I'm a big fan, I mean um, I'm renowned for being a wet, wet, wet fan. Yeah. And uh, they were playing, uh, might be in Edinburgh Castle, right? And I was like, oh, yeah. right, 150 quid is kind of, or whatever it was, right? I was yeah. like, taking a piss. I'll get the next one. Right. Next day, I'm in the car and it's like, my breaking news, Marty oh, Peller's no. left, wait, wait, wait. And I was like, <laughs> I should have got the ticket. I was like, let this be a lesson to yeah, you. Don't, no. <laughs> don't ever pass up on a ticket for anything again. I can't believe it, man. Oh, He's, no, gutty. Marty Peller's broke my heart. Um, oh, no. I bit enough about my heart breaking. <laughs> 80s and 90s mega stars split not how how it's was the damn 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 that got me yeah, good that. partner in it yeah it's great partner um, how was that performing at Barrowland as well iconic venue oh it was sick it was so good we were doing sound check and it was just like so loud and I was like oh there's no better feeling yeah yeah it You've, was great did you hang up you had a you're looking, uh, you're looking kind of half fresh. You must have had a few drinks Me? last oh, night, I did you? Like, Steven? <laughs> There's <laughs> a reason I've got, I've got a hat on right now and it's to hide half my face. I'm like... <laughs> Glasses and a face mask yeah, on as well. Yeah, literally. Oh. I am... Um, yeah, no, I'm feeling all right. I had a bit of a sore head this morning. <laughs> but I drank... I was actually quite good. I didn't drink till after I performed. Well, I had one glass of wine. And then mm-hmm. I just 
and then I drank after that. You've earned it. You've earned a good time, especially now yeah. that the world has kind of opened up. As the world yeah. has opened up and as we kind of round up, what is um, what is on the horizon for you? What is on the horizon? I've got a lot more music coming out in the new year, which I'm really excited right. about because I've not really, well, I've done features in summer, but I've mm-hmm. not released since May. So I'm really excited. I've, I've been writing a lot of music. Um, so I'm excited to let everyone hear it. So we're going to be shooting uh, videos, artwork, I'm actually going out to Germany next month to film some stuff in an arena um, nice. with uh, circle sessions, they're called, so to basically get footage with a full band of some some of my new songs. So I'm uh, really excited to do that. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, new music in the new year. I'm hoping to get a support tour, probably another headline. Yeah, and just see where it goes. I never know what I'm doing until like last minute half the time as well. Mm-hmm. So, But I'm just excited to keep going and do more gigs. Yeah. It's like just the beginning of doing shows and I yeah. love it. So It's going to kick off. There's actually yeah. something, because people are getting a wee bit, they're a bit tentative with um, wondering, is the world kind of going to get back I moving? Know. But I know that there's two airlines that are mass recruiting people like to be starting in January, right. which to me signifies that the world is, you know, yeah. intercontinental travel or whatever is ready yeah. just to absolutely kick off. So yeah. I'm sure it will kind of go that way for you with plenty of shows. Well, yeah. I'm in London a lot, so I'm going to be keeping an eye out if you're playing there or else in oh, Scotland. Aye, come to a show. Yeah. I'll no doubt be doing a Scotland show again Yeah, as well. you need to be. I need to. Aye. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having after me. A, after a night on the it's booze. Been- and- <laughs> I know, eh? Indulging I, myself. I, I was like, can I get up? Yes, I can get up. <laughs> yeah, you had no choice. You were getting booted out your hotel at 11 I o'clock know, anyway. Eh? I know, I was told that. So I was like, ah, oh, well, may as well, eh? I'm going to be here so Why not? But yeah, but thank you for having me. No, an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming in. And thank you for listening. And we'll be back with another episode of Blethered soon. Cheers. Leathered was written, recorded and produced by Sean McDonald in association with The Big Light. Music and post-production by Brian McAlpine and for more information, go to thebiglight.com. If you like this podcast, please check out all our other series including Talk Media, You Could Start a Fight in an Empty House, Talking Derry Girls, Brave Your Day, The Tartan Noir Show, Double Scotch, Great Scott, Trust Me I'm a Leader, Unearthed, A Sonic Hug and Old School. All on The Big Light, Scotland's podcast network. From the Big Light Studio.